Welcome to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, along with rock and roll expert Frank Ost. We hope you've enjoyed our highlight reels of the past three weeks. Seasons one, two, and three have all been reviewed. And now it's time to have a preview of season four. Some new segments coming your way, and of course our featured artists that we're excited about bringing you, all starting next week, Monday, November 1st, and of course our one-year anniversary at the bottom of the month, November the 29th. We'll begin as we always do with Today in Rock History and keep you up to date, also with birthdays and concert calendar. Today in Rock History, October 25th, 1964, during an appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show, The Rowdy Audience was uh, there screaming after the Rolling Stones finished up their song to the point where Ed finally yelled out, Quiet! Oh, poor Ed. Multiple times. I don't know. I never heard him shout. No. In fact, I could, usually, if I remember correctly, it was hard to even understand what he was saying half the time. Right, yeah. When the band closed the show, uh, Sullivan again uh, yelled out, Quiet! But then he said, Let's hear it! <laughs> Which caused such an uproar that uh, Mick Jagger's interview couldn't even be heard, and oh. Ed vowed never to have the Stones on ever again. Ever, ever again. Only to change his mind later. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> the Rolling Stones, after all. They were the Rolling Stones. 1986, a first in chart history on the Billboard Hot 100. Female solo artists occupied the top three spots in the chart. Cindy Lauper's True Colors was number three. Tina Turner, typical male, at number two, and Janet Jackson was number one with When I Think of You. Wow. Now, I have a hard time believing that. You would think Carol King, Linda Ronstadt, the Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, the Carpenters. I'm well, not maybe, sure they, maybe they don't count. Karen know. Carpenter. Yeah, although I don't know why not. But you would figure sometime in there, Linda Ronstadt, uh, Olivia were certainly on the chart at the same time. Sure, absolutely. 1975 or something. They just needed a third, like Jesse Coulter or something, and... Exactly. Or Janice Ian. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. But 1986 was the first time that's ever happened in Billboard's Hot 100. Wow, that's amazing. Aretha Franklin's mansion in Michigan was destroyed <laughs> in 2002. No one was home at the time. She hadn't lived there for two years. Oh, okay. Well, Jack Bruce, you know, the basis for Cream. He passed uh, away absolutely. at age 71. That was seven years ago today. Kenny Rogers, then 80 years old, whose career spanned 58 years. Gave his last performance at a show in Nashville, Tennessee. Stars who accompanied him on stage were Reba McIntyre, Lionel Richie, which makes sense since yeah, Lionel wrote right. uh, uh, Lady, mm-hmm. went on a Judd, Idina Menzel, which is funny because, you know, the voice of Frozen. Yes. And I don't know if John Travolta introduced her or not on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Dolly Parton was there, too. Yeah. Kenny Rogers just passed away. I think it was last year, wasn't it? I 2020? think so, yeah. Birthdays. Today, Pablo Picasso, the Spanish painter, was born in 1881. Minnie Pearl, I always liked her, her performances. She was a fun entertainer, I thought. Yeah, and she always had the, the, um, the uh, sales tag. Price on, tag? Yeah, the price uh, yeah. tag on the hat. Yep. So she was born in 1912, born Sarah Ophelia Kali Cannon. That's a lot of names. That's a lot of names. Shortened to Minnie Pearl. Mm-hmm. You know the mom on Happy Days, Marion Ross? Absolutely. She's 93 years old today. Good grief. Bobby Knight, head basketball coach, turns 81. Don't get him mad, he'll throw a chair at you. Absolutely. Helen Reddy was born in this date in 1942. Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson, one-time freshman and sophomore at Ohio University. Born 64 years ago today, and Katy Perry is 37 years old today. Okay. Concert calendar, Frankie Sting begins a residency at Caesars Palace Coliseum. Las Vegas on Friday the 29th. We'll have some dates still in October mm-hmm. and November. 
And then again, starting next June, he's already postponed a couple of those concerts uh, in Vegas because of COVID. Sure. The 30th Rock Hall induction ceremonies from Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse will take place. Tina Turner's going to get introduced by Angela Bassett, who played her in the movie. Oh, that's an interesting choice. Taylor Swift will induct Carol King. Okay. That's another, another interesting, interesting choice. choice. Yeah. And Paul McCartney is going to be introducing the Foo Fighters. He's real close with Dave Grohl, who will now be inducted twice. As you know, he was inducted with Nirvana a while back, and now with the Foo Fighters coming up on Saturday night. Todd Rundgren's not going to be there. He already said he's not. He's going to be in Cincinnati performing that night. He'll be in Cleveland at the MGM Center Stage at the Northfield Park venue on November 6th and 7th. That's a Saturday and Sunday. But I um, don't know who's going to induct him. I think Daryl Hall would be a good choice, don't you think? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Philly, so, the Philly special. Philly special. Yeah. Maybe he'll have some kind of video thank you type of thing. He, you know, is disdain for the Rock Hall. And that nice interview with him recently in Cleveland.com. And his love for Cleveland and his fans really wanted him in. And, and he liked that. But he has no regard at all for the Rock Hall or its people <laughs> behind it. So now that we've gone over our Rock Hall inductees up to 2021, uh, we were really excited about bringing you our Two Should Get In category. That was where we made a a plea or a case for uh, a certain rock artist of the past or the present uh, who should get in. So our Two Should Get In segment, Frank gives you one, I give you one, and we've had a lot of fun from Mariah Carey to Jake Isles and on and on. There's a whole lot that need to at least get the denomination process in gear for them, and then maybe someday they'll be inducted. Mm-hmm. I give you one, you give me one, and uh, at least for nomination purposes, it's nice to see these acts at least get nominated, exactly. if not get in. Right. And mine would be Sweet, or in old days called The Sweet. You know, Little Willie by The Sweet. It was a number three pop hit in 1973. I love that song. They had Mike Chapman, <laughs> and they had some really good songwriters behind them, the bubblegum power pop music of theirs, but they didn't like it. In fact, they liked hard rock. If you listen to the beat side of Little Willie, it'll be a hard rock and hard charging song. It's not bubblegum at all. Right. So you got to give the sweet credit. They scrapped that whole thing in the early, mid-70s, 74, 75, and said, we're not doing it anymore. Record company is like, what? You guys are doing great. No, we want to do hard rock. We're a hard rock band. And sure enough, Ballroom Blitz, Fox on the Run, yep. Love is Like Oxygen, which is a great tune. Was it eight minutes long? Definitely. They sold more than 35 million albums worldwide, completely switched that musical style from bubblegum to That's a good choice, wasn't it, Frankie? Yeah, absolutely. Fun. Give a shout out to Grand Funk absolutely. Railroad, natives now, of Flint, Michigan. That's right. Now, they've sold, uh, like we said, north of 30 million records. Had five top five, or excuse me, four top five singles and some of the biggest records of the 70s. Uh, We're an American band was and is one of the great anthems and tributes to the rock and roll lifestyle. Especially if you like Cowbell. Absolutely. And then, uh, of course, there's The Locomotion and Some Kind of Wonderful that ended up being top 10 singles for their respective years. Yeah. This band was also one of the first arena rock bands selling out venues like Shea Stadium. Madison Square Garden, when it was still very much a rarity for a rock band to be able to do that. Oh, they're good in concert too, Frankie, aren't they? Absolutely. And they worked with some of the finest producers in the business, uh, Jimmy Einer, Terry Knight, Frank Zappa, and of course, Todd Rundgren, who famously praised their talent and work ethic in the studio. Um, And yes, they did take it on the chin from critics, 
but it was David Fricke of Rolling Stone magazine who said, you cannot talk about rock in the 1970s without talking about Grand Funk Railroad. So, Frankie, brand new category. This comes from my sister, Mickey. She said, what, what about like a psychedelic versus pop? And to me, it would be fun if they were back-to-back on the charts. Oh, absolutely. And some were back-to-back-to-back-to-back. We'll, we'll come up with those as we move along. But uh, I think um, Wixie might have played some of those songs back-to-back as well. Oh, I'm sure they did. There was no progressive rock station. Absolutely. In 1968, it was just getting started. This was taken from the Billboard Hot 100 chart on September 14th, 1968. Number 63 was In Agata De Vida by your... Favorite group, Iran Butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And my special angel was number 62 by the Vogues. One of the best segments that we've had from the start is One Hit Wonders, and we also added Two Hit Wonders. Let's listen. (laughs) Next up, no relation, Carol Douglas. Remember Doctor's Orders? Barely. The follow-up to Hurricane is coming tonight which you probably don't know either. It only made it to number 81 in the spring of 75. Mm. Doctor's Orders peaked at number 11 in the winter of 75, just after Kung Fu Fighting came out. So people would think, well, their husband and wife, like George and Gwen McRae were or something. Right. Not so. Her father was a mortician, and Carol's cousin is Sam Cooke. Oh, really? Okay. Doctor's Orders, number 11, winter of 75, our other one-hit wonder. So we have a brand new category. I really like it. It's called Best Instrumentals. Frankie and I have been turning on to some stuff you may or may not know. This one you probably do. In fact, I have the single. I also have the follow-up single as well from the TV show SWAT. Oh, yeah. We have our top 10 rockin' Christmas songs coming up in December. <laughs> <laughs> Number four is Jim Croce. It doesn't have to be that way. I love that song. You don't hear it very often, but it uh, evokes memories song. of Christmas. Yeah, it Snowy sure nights and Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't hit yeah. you over the head with Right, Christmas. exactly. Right. It doesn't take too long either, kind of like Gabriel's message. These Christmas songs I like because they're short. Yeah. Trans-Siberian Orchestra, maybe not so short, and one of the <laughs> favorites of classic rock stations, but I really like it. Christmas Eve, Sarajevo 1224. Uh, number two on my list um, is one we have talked about before, um, Happy Christmas War is Over by John and Yoko. Um, and we mentioned this with having to do with his death mm. when they played this uh, on that same night that yep. he passed away. It's the one that brought me to tears. Yeah, and such a tearjerker. It when you... still does uh, to this day, and uh, just love that song. So we had a lot of great segments, didn't we, that oh, came absolutely. in Season 4, like artists who debuted at number 1 or number 2. New right. segment, that was fun, and we'll continue on with that. But you know, a lot of artists did not begin their careers at number 1. Not Elton John, not Michael Jackson, nor the Supremes, or Billy Joel, not even Madonna started out at number 1 with her single release. That's right. Coming out on November 12th, the Eagles will be releasing a new package called Live from the Form. 76. Oh, okay. Remember those of the Forum concerts in L.A. took place over three sold-out nights at the old Forum. This was just before Hotel California was released. And the Beatles get back. We talked about that a couple of months ago. Yeah, absolutely. They're coming up with that uh, documentary set for release on November 25th on Disney+. Plus. It's a three-part series and uh, produced and directed by Peter Jackson. Six hours of work there, but he had hours and hours and hours of behind-the-scenes footage never before. I don't know where he uncovered it, but it has the blessing of Paul and Yoko. Oh, that's and so neat. 
it should be interesting to see. It'll uh, take place over like three nights. Okay. On uh, Disney Plus, it's going to have some behind-the-scenes clips of that famous rooftop performance of uh, Get Back, and also um, sheds more of a positive light on the filming of the Let It Be. Yeah, yeah, because the original movie was a little bit of a downer. Frankie came up with a brand new category called Rock Releases. These are the albums that were released uh, this time of year, the week of November 22nd through the years 1967, The Beatles, Magical Mystery Tour. Great album. In 1970, Cat Stevens' T for the Tillerman. That's a good one, too. Another good one. We talked about George Harrison. He was last week's featured artist, and All Things Must Pass was released on uh, the 27th of November, 1970. Another great one. Alice Cooper, Killer, 1971. On the 28th, Carly Simon released a soon-to-be number one album, No Secrets, that had uh, You're So Vain and The Right Thing to Do on it. Uh, yes came out with Relayer in 1974. Heart Like a Wheel, Linda Ronstadt was really starting to get going. Wow, she? she sure was. That was 1974 as well. Paul McCartney and John Lennon, George and Ringo, we're going to start getting into our solo artists, aren't we? Yeah, and it's kind of fun to look at uh, their, their, their solo careers, um, how, in some cases, uh, it was even some more more fun than the Beatles because you had three or four albums coming out a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was especially in the early seventies exactly. to mid seventies. I know John took his old sabbatical, but uh, it'll be fun listening to the music of the solo artists who came from the big groups, and not just the Beatles, but you know, Sting, Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel, and absolutely. If I could interview three performers that we've been talking about, not all together, but maybe one at a time, it'd be Paul McCartney for sure. Okay. Eric Clapton, David Crosby. I think Inter- that would give us a interesting nice Interesting choices. Yeah, a little Definitely. wide array. Who would you, would you be interested in something like that? And they oh, have to I'd, be performers that are alive today. I, I Definitely, Paul McCartney would certainly be one of them. Featured artist, John Lennon. Living in New York, finally, at peace, at home. Right. He's got his wife. He's got his young son. He's got his music. He's still at the height of his songwriting and singing ability. What do you think he would have been like as a performer in the 80s? It's hard to imagine, but I'd it like, is. I sometimes I, I'd like to think about what it would be like to see him in the 80s. I would like to think that there would have been some, some more good music from him, some more really good music. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he wouldn't, uh, along the way, he wouldn't have uh, pushed Paul a little harder. Yeah. For him to come out with some, some maybe some better stuff than what he came out with. Yeah, that might have helped him in the 80s because Paul was putting out stuff, but it wasn't selling as much. The people were kind of moving on to other things, and maybe Paul was too. George Harrison. A great album, though, in November of 1970, about six months after their breakup, All Things Must Pass. Do you have that one in your collection? I do, and uh, it's a perfect uh, for the era. Um, because, of course, the 60s were winding down, but, of course, uh, perfect for the Beatles and their winding down. Yeah. Ringo Starr. So most of the guys have played with him on tour for at least at least a decade, if not longer. That's, that's incredible. And like you said, he lets them take the, the center stage, the limelight, doesn't he? Exactly. Because he's working you know, with some great performers. He fits in his stuff, you know, at the beginning and the end, and the rest pretty much is, is, is for them. Yeah. Other guys he's worked with over the years, Billy Preston, who you would assume, Dr. John, uh, Bruce Springsteen played guitar in a few songs on one show, Joe Walsh, Nils Lofgren, uh, even John Candy played the tambourine on a song <laughs> or two, <laughs> plus Clarence Clemens, a fantastic saxophonist oh, yeah. for Springsteen. Wouldn't that have been a good show to see? Definitely. 
So a lot of things led to the breakup of the Beatles, Frankie. Uh, maybe it was Yoko kind of getting in the way. You know, Brian Epstein died in 1967 suddenly. Well, I think that started the yeah. ball. Because everybody kind of thought John Lennon might have been the de facto leader, but Paul kind of took over, didn't he, with the business, and he put a, a couple of those uh, movies together, Magical Mystery Tour, Yellow Submarine. I don't know if that right. sat too well with John. Yeah, I don't know, but it didn't seem like John really wanted to be the leader. No. And he never, it seemed like he was much, much more happy living his life and just kind of being a Beatle, you know, kind of almost part-time. Yeah. You know, he was doing the other things. He was putting out uh, records with uh, with Ono and doing his own art and that kind of thing. Then we had Pat Benatar, one of my favorites, who should be in the Rock Hall. Maybe she'll get nominated Always this year. Always one of my favorites. Born in 1953 in January in Brooklyn, New York. Married to guitarist Neil Giraldo since 1982. He's performed on every single one of her albums. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So she was nominated, as we said, a couple years ago, the four-time Grammy winner, five-time platinum album, 15 top 40 singles. She's, I mean, her voice is every bit as good as Tina Turner's, Stevie Nicks, Linda Ronstadt, the best female voices of all time. Oh, I agree. And she packs a punch in that slight frame of hers. Yeah, and uh, she's not afraid to do rock and roll either. No, not at all. She's definitely got... uh, the pipes to do it. We talked about darlings of the MTV. You can cite uh, the Go-Go's. Um, sure. Even Don Henley, Aha, with Take On Me. And uh, Pat Benatar, sure, wasn't lacking in her, her videos, was she? Well, nobody was played more than her. Right. I mean, she had some really good ones. And BTO, that's part of our new series. Wish we heard more from these bands. BTO will be one of them. That's right. Uh, we'll talk about the Guess Who, Badfinger, Three Dog Night, all coming up. So a lot of times we wonder where groups would have gone in the next decade. This is, I, I, I could see where Guess Who would have ended up going in the 70s, perhaps. And actually exactly. they did with yeah. Bachman Turner Overdrive. Uh, they had two albums released in 1973, uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive and two. Uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive 2 featured Let It Ride and Taking Care of Business. Yeah, that's when they kind of blew open. Yeah, yep. they did. And that was early 74 with Let It Ride. Great tune that kind of hit the charts out of nowhere, and you knew it was going to be a big hit. That was when Band on the Run was out in mm-hmm. early 74, the spring, late March, right in there. Randy Bachman had taken care of business kind of in his back pocket. You know, he was working on it. It was actually a first called White Collar Man. Oh, he really? Had that written with uh, Guess okay. Who and had bits and pieces of it. Then they finished it off and, and put it on two. Then Not Fragile in 1974 came out with the Ain't See Nothing Yet, and they were on their way, That's weren't they? That's right, sure. Eric Clapton, mainly focusing on his early years. And maybe some guys like Eric Clapton, you just had a feeling as you went through some of these groups, he was itching to get out on his own or maybe just work with uh, somebody here and there and and move on. Like a lot of groups, especially jazz groups, it seems, like to kind of change up their lineup and not not be with the same people all the time. Fresh Cream was released in December of 1966, another perfect Time, wasn't it? Produced by Robert Stigwood, who would go on to produce the Bee Gees and, you know, all those great albums. That's right. We talked about the Doobie Brothers, and when we brought them up, just like I thought they were already inducted in the Rock Hall, I thought we had the Doobie Brothers as a featured artist, but no. Sure, absolutely. So they're coming up in season four. The Rock and Blue-Eyed Soul Band from San Jose, California, formed in like 1970, signed to Warner Brothers Records just a year later. So they were off and running, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Tireless touring band, great in concert. Michael McDonald has been making guest appearances. Now he's back with the band. It's called Doobie Brothers. 
with Michael McDonald now. Oh, really? Okay. Our second part of many in the Southern Rock, Folk Rock category, Poco. So not a lot of chart success. Most peaked in the 40s or the 50s or lower, but they weren't about that. You know, they, they were about albums like Head Over Heels and Crazy Eyes, Legend from 1978, Under the Gone, Legacy. Those are all good albums, and they kind of sparked these great country rock bands like Marshall Tucker, sure. Eagles, Firefall, McGuffey Lane, which is a big favorite of ours down in southern Ohio, Pure Prairie League, Blackfoot even, 38 Special, That's you know, right. yeah. and perhaps even Leonard Skinner, Allman Brothers, when it was okay to be playing country rock music in the early 70s, because you're going to get airplay, and not just on progressive rock stations. Yeah, exactly. So you can see where they have a really good um, influence on other artists who are starting to get things together, including the Eagles. Sure. Another one of our favorites, the Alan Parsons Project. Alan Parsons Project had these hit songs, Wouldn't Want to Be Like You, Damned If I Do, Games People Play, Time, Snake Eyes, Old and Wise, which was sung by former Zombies member Colin Bloodstone, mm-hmm. Eye in the Sky, which is overplayed, but I still I still like it, Psycho Babble, great tune, Yeah, Don't Answer Me, Prime Time, You Won't Believe, or You Don't Believe, rather, in Days or Numbers. So those are all good tunes by... Alan Parsons and Eric Wolfson does not sing lead on all of them either, which is nice. There you go. And one of my favorite songs uh, just doesn't sound like anybody. It certainly doesn't sound like Alan Parsons, but the show must go on mm-hmm. on iRobot. It's just a gorgeous song. One of the best rock bands from the 70s and 80s, Foreigner. I mean, you know, uh, arena rock was a, f- a phrase that was coined for them. I mean, yeah. they were perfect in that. Uh, state they they played well um, nothing too fabulous or showy or anything there were no 15 minute drum solos or anything like that they just came out and played the good songs arena rock was uh, the staple of uh, bands like Kansas Sticks sure. REO Speedwagon I saw all those guys at the Coliseum or, Absolutely. or down at the Convo in Athens Ian McDonald also the founding member of King Crimson a top session musician for acts like T-Rex played on Get It On, he was a saxophonist. Oh, okay. And also has either produced or played on dozens of albums over the years, so they were well-seasoned when they got oh, together. absolutely. Mm-hmm. He was soundtrack composer for the nationally syndicated show Success Stories with Bruce Jenner back in 1987. Nice. Ian McDonald. And, of course, Lou Graham had a couple of really cool solo hits, I thought. Mm-hmm. Midnight Blue and Just Between You and Me. Very very Lou Graham-like. Definitely. I thought Foreigner was a good band. I, I, I kind of wish I saw them in concert, but I also saw Kansas and Sticks and REO Speedwagon, so... You kind of get the idea. I saw three out of four. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we also had some great featured artists uh, coming up in Season 4. We're going to talk about Gimme Shelter. Remember that... Uh, that Altamont Speedway, that debacle, that yeah, concert. What a mess. You have some great information about the that. The Hells don't you? Angels, oh, yes. My goodness. The whole night was weird. Um, too young to know what had happened. So much else was going on in 1969. I was kind of just glad the decade ended. Well, yeah, and that's why they say that this was probably the end of the 60s. This yeah. was the official, we're done. I mean, it's it's not happening anymore. Whatever. Whatever love was out in the air, uh, people were getting on with their lives, really. Yeah, and it still turned nasty come May of the following year at Kent State University. There's still a lot of upheaval to come with the war still raging. Another artist that will be featuring in Season 4 from our continuing series of bands we wanted to hear more from, one of my favorites, Badfinger. 
So the album Bad Finger, produced by Chris Thomas on their new label, Warner Brothers, they had just signed a three-year, six-album deal. Six wow. albums in three years, plus extensive touring. That's enough to... Now, how are you going to do that? To, I know, make anybody's mind spin. Sure. It only peaked the album, did a 161 in the Billboard album chart in 1974. Wish You Were Here in 1974, also in December. That's not the Pink Floyd one. No. Definitely not. Their seventh studio album by the band. Some of this was recorded at the famous Caribou Ranch. And to finish off season four, he's been making hits since 1963, Stevie Wonder. 72 years old, and we can say only 72 because he's still doing stuff. Absolutely. I'd love to hear something new from Stevie Wonder. Uh, I don't think he's going to be touring, you know, anytime soon. Other featured artists, Frankie... Gimme Shelter, you had some great great information on that. Yep, that's right. Of a mm-hmm. concert. Southern Rock Folk Rock Part 2, we looked at uh, one of the early on, uh, the Poco had such an influence on the Southern California folk rock, uh, Harmonies, Eagles, sure, uh, America, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, many others. Solo artists from big, successful bands will start getting into that, too. We're going to start off with McCartney next week, mm-hmm. followed by Lennon and Harrison and then Ringo Starr. We have some really interesting things to say, not about the Beatles. Everybody's heard about them, and we're just going to kind of talk about what their music individually meant to us. Right, exactly. And then we have our one-hit wonders continuing, like, oh, Roy Clark's yesterday when I was young. Remember that? (laughs) Or American Breed in a two-hit wonder category. Uh, Bend Me, Shape Me, and a song I don't remember, Step Out of Your Mind. That sounds psychedelic. That does sound psychedelic. And then coming up in Season 4, beginning next Monday... We're going to have our one-year anniversary show at the end of the month, November 29th. So get your party hats and <laughs> noisemakers. It's going to air at the end of the month. Uh, we've been on already a year. We started last year because of COVID. Yes, We're looking for something to do. So that all starts next Monday with a brand new season, season four coming up. That's uh, going to be a lot of fun, won't it? Can't wait to listen to it. Uh, tune in. <laughs>